and give God praise in this house. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. That when all hope seemed to be lost, when there was no exit, when there was no escape route, there was no plan B. I had no way out, but I cried out to my Savior. I cried out to my King. I cried out to my Shepherd. In and made away. Oh, come on, somebody. I wonder if there's anybody that hasn't that doesn't have amnesia. Do you remember how we made away? Do you remember how we stepped in? He didn't just do it for your neighbor, he didn't just do it for them over there, but he did it just for me. I'm so glad that he did. I'm so glad that he did. Somebody look at your neighbor, give him a high five and say it was nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, it was nothing but the blood of Jesus. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I really don't know where I would be. Feels good in this house. Feels good in this house. Are you thankful to be in God's house this morning? Man, I'm grateful to be in the house of the Lord. You can make your way back to your seats. Woo! JJ, don't you start. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm thankful for what God's doing in this house, in this hour, in this church, in this city. Amen. Um, as you can tell, I am not the bishop of this house. Um, he's out on assignment with his wife. They're doing the Lord's work. Amen. I'm thankful for a bishop that has adhered to the call of God on his life. Amen. And sometimes that means he's got to step away from the house. But that's all right. We'll have church anyhow. Amen. Has anybody come to have church in this house? Come on, are you ready to get with the word this morning? Why don't you stand, grab your Bibles, and give honor to Bishop and First Lady for everything that they do and continue to do. I want to say I love my beautiful wife. If y'all don't know, she writes all my notes and comes up with all my titles because I can't do it. <laughs> so if it's bad. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you, babe. Has anybody come for a word this morning? <clears throat> Listen, I'm not the best of preachers, but I, I feel like God's given me a word for this house. So if you'll just hold on with me for a few minutes, I believe God's going to move in this place. Any, amen? Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of James. Book of James chapter number 1. And then we'll be reading a second passage from Matthew chapter 19. Book of James chapter number 1, beginning at verse 21. Bible says this, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Everybody say, not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, 
this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now over to, book, to the book of Matthew chapter 19, verse number 16. Just a few passages. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit or I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? For there is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? And Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, or whole, or complete, or lacking nothing, a direct response if you want to lack nothing then go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me but when the young man heard that saying he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions great possessions I wonder if there's anybody in this house that wants to be not only a hearer, but a doer of the word. If that's how you feel, can you set your Bibles down and lift your hands? God, we need you to move in this house like never before, Jesus. God, today we need a move. God, today we're asking for change. God, I pray that you'd meet us in this place. God, let your anointing rest on every heart. God, let it rest on every mind, on every ear. God, to receive your word, to do your word. I pray that you would anoint my mind and my lips, these lips of clay, to give the word that you've given to me. God, I pray that you help us in this place. talk to us for just a few moments about this simple idea, the mirror, the mirror. The mirror. Part of the art of teaching or pedagogy is to have a question that everyone must answer. So today, the question that I want to ask you is what are you willing to hold on to to miss heaven? Now, that's a pretty silly question. I'll be honest. And even when I wrote it, I thought to myself, what? What am I willing to hold on to to miss heaven? But the truth is, is that I think if we did a poll, we took a poll in this house, there's a lot of things that people are holding on to. And they're not willing to let go of it in order to make heaven. Some of those things we know about. But some of those things we don't know about. So today, I pray that God will help us. But can I give you the answer that should be to that question? It should be a resounding nothing. However, if we were honest with ourselves, there are things that we hold on to. Point to yourself and say, there are things that I hold on to. There are things that I deal with that I know may not be keeping me from heaven. But if I said it like this, they're keeping you from reaching your full potential. The Bible says it like this in Hebrews, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The thing that you may be dealing with may not be a sin issue, but it may be a weight issue. And if you want to be successful in a race, I don't care what type of race it is. You've got to shed some weight off of you. I don't care if you're racing, running, swimming, whatever it is. In order to be truly successful, you've got to get rid of a few things that may be weighing you down. I was talking to a young man just yesterday and I said, in a race, seconds matter. If you look at NASCAR and you look at the science behind it, NASCAR gets a bad rap. Now, I'm not condoning watching sports. 
condoning going to sports games. So hear me out. But if you look into the, the structure, the science behind NASCAR, it is the most complicated sport that there is. But everybody thinks it's just a bunch of rednecks going around in circles. My dad says it like this, another left turn, another left turn, and another left turn. But if you look at not only in NASCAR, but in Formula One and racing, there's so much that goes into it, into the wheels and the, 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 the weight differences and the speed and the uh, acceleration and deceleration. There's so much that goes into it. It's complicated, but at the root of it, it's weight. Weight matters. So James tells us hearers only and not doers. In our reading, he tells us that the word of God is a mirror. It's like, it's like a, a, a glass, he says. That when you look into it, it tells you what manner of man that you are. That's the purpose of the mirror. To reflect exactly what is being placed in front of it. So if I were to ask someone to come up here, which I won't. I won't embarrass you. But if you come up here and you look in, is this going to mess up the live stream? I'm sorry. If you look into the mirror, it's pretty simple, right? You're going to see your reflection. The exact thing that you place in front, of, in front of it will be reflected back to you. Now, there's too much science to go into all that, right? But at the root of it, it's very simplistic. And so if you've got spinach in your teeth, Nobody. Nobody but me. Well, actually, it wouldn't be me because I don't eat spinach, clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. Y'all can laugh. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but if you've got spinach in your teeth or broccoli or pepper or something in your teeth and you look into the mirror and you... And you see it's a big old piece of green right here. Or a big old black speck. What are you going to do? You're going to pick it out. You're going to grab some floss. You're going to grab one of those little placards things. And you're going to, or a fingernail, yes. If you're from the hood, you're going to use a fingernail. <laughs> we didn't have floss growing. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm sorry, Mom. I love you. Some things are just not a priority. <laughs> Even though it might have been 97 cents, whatever, who cares? But you're going to get it out. You're going to get it out of your teeth. Why? Because it would be embarrassing to go around walking around to people and saying, hey, how are you? You got this big old piece of green right here. You're going to try your best to get it out. That's the purpose of the mirror. It's that when I look into it, I see what's going on. You may think you got dressed this morning and you looked good. But you got two different color socks on. And you got toothpaste on your cheek. But if you don't look into the mirror, you'll never know. But what's worse is looking into the mirror. Seeing that you don't look presentable. And proceeding to walk out of the house as if you were presentable. I would say it's relative, but some things are not relative. Go get the flaws. I think we understand this morning. The mirror is truth. It is the truth. You can't hide from the mirror. James is dealing with people that they hear the word of God. They hear it all the time, but they don't listen. They don't obey the word of God. He's dealing with, furthermore, I'll say this, he's dealing with people that should be the first to be obedient. If you go into the book of James and you look at the very first verse, it says that I'm writing this to the scattered tribes of Israel. Can I say it like this? The word came to them. We don't have enough time to get into this this morning. See me afterwards for a Bible study and I'll be glad to give you one. But the word came to them. In the book of John chapter 1, the Bible says that in the beginning was the word. And the word or logos, thought, blueprint, 
was with God and the word was God. And then if you read down a few verses later, it says that that same word became flesh and dwelt among us. Can I tell you today that the word is Jesus. Jesus is that word today. He is the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the word of God. He is the expression of God, the very thought. Oh, I can't get stuck here, but when you start talking about it, you have to talk about oneness. There is not three persons in some, some trinity. There are not, there are not this... this there isn't this imaginative Godhead where there's a junior God and a senior God and then a spirit that goes and do, does the work in the earth. There is one God and his name is Jesus. That one God expressed himself in man and he named, said he took upon himself the form of a servant. He became flesh. He dwelt among us. He was all man and he was all God. He is the word of God. When you break open this Bible, you're not just reading words that some fisherman wrote a thousand years ago. You're reading the flesh. You're reading the word of God. That's why we can't take it lightly, the word of God. Because it's not just another fairy tale. It's not just some book that was written a couple thousand years ago. It's the body of Jesus. It is the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. I don't want to confuse anybody. So please see one of us afterwards and we'll give you a Bible study. Amen. People all across America claim to know Jesus. But don't read his word. How is that possible? You can't separate God from his word. They're one and the same. They said heaven and earth will pass away. But my word, my word will never pass. You can't separate the two. So if you claim to love God, if you claim to worship one God, if you claim to know Jesus like millions of Americans and people around the world claim then you've got to know the word. You can't have a relationship with somebody and you never speak to them or never know what they have to say. Jesus said it like this. These people, these people that claim to know the word, they claim to know Jesus and never read it. The truth is, is they don't have a relationship. And Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You either love the one and hate the other or cling to the one and despise the other. You can't serve two masters. And the, here's the deal. If you're not serving God, then you're serving your flesh and you're serving Satan. Again, the word of God is simple. It's very simple. You either serve one or you serve the other. And so if your heart is not fully committed to this right here, if you're not fully committed to serving God, then you're serving somebody else. He said, you can't have two masters. You've got to choose one. Joshua said it like this, choose you this day whom you will serve. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Somebody's got to make it up in your mind today that I'm not going to be running around here serving other gods. I'm not serving my flesh or my will, but I'm choosing today to submit myself. I'm choosing today to follow the things of God. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But when you, when you step in front of the mirror, you've got to reconcile what you are seeing with your own reality. See, here's the problem with that type of language. Is that there is no personal, well, please don't make me explain all this. There's no personal reality. There is simply reality. There is truth. And that's it. It's that simple. There is truth and nothing else. And so when you step in front of the mirror, you've got to reconcile what you think you see about yourself or what you think you know about yourself with what's really going on. 
We have to be able to accept the reality that's in front of us. I wonder if there's just a few folks in here that are willing to admit that I may not be perfect, but I sure am trying. See, the truth is, is that when I step in front of the mirror, I see a broken man. When I step in front of the mirror, I recognize that, Dad, I'm, I'm sinful. I'm fallen. And I need a Savior. I need someone to rescue me. I need someone to pick me up. And I'm, I'm here today to tell you that there is someone that has done it for me. And if they can do it for me, and if they can do it for other people in this house, then they can do it for you too. Here's the thing, though. It takes humility. That's not a fun word. Humility. James 1 and 21 says that in order to, in order to save your souls, you have to receive the word of God with meekness. Humility. What does that mean? That means when the word of God comes to you and when the word of God confronts you, instead of turning around and acting like it doesn't apply or pretending that it doesn't, pretending that it's not you that it's talking about, you've got to be able to humble yourself and say, you know what? Just like David, I'm the man. See, in a society, in our society today, though, it's hard for us to do that. It's hard for us to admit when we're wrong. It's, it's, it's really hard. Because everybody's living their own truth. Everybody's doing their own thing. And so what I'm doing may not be relevant to you. And what I believe may not be relevant to you, but it is relevant to me. And it is what they will say, my truth. This is language that you hear nowadays. It's my truth. It's something that I believe, something that I hold to be true. When again, the reality is, is that there is no such thing as my truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. There is no other version of truth out there. When he stood before Pilate and Pilate asked him the question, what is truth? Pilate didn't realize he was staring directly into the eyes of truth itself. There are people today that will walk up into sanctuaries all across America. They'll hear the word of God preached to them on a daily basis. Truth will be looking at them directly in the face. And they'll still ask the question, what is truth? Why? Because there's confusion. This isn't in my notes, but there's confusion in the society that we live in. Why do you think that transgenderism is running rampant in our society? It's directly from hell itself. Why? To confuse people. Why do you think all that stuff is so prevalent? They're teaching it to six-year-olds now. Why? To confuse them. Because if they can confuse them, then they'll have no bearing on the truth anymore. And the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Freedom only comes from knowing and receiving the truth in your life. So if Satan can confuse the world, then I'll have a bunch of people deceived and never experience truth and they'll have people in his grips. But you think it's just their truth. And parents, I'm not a parent, so I want to be careful, but parents will take their kids to drag shows. Family-friendly drag. That's an oxymoron. Family-friendly drag shows. And say that's just their truth. I don't care what they're doing. 
It's not truth. It's distorted reality. And as a parent, God forbid I subject my children to that. And how about this? As a human being, as an individual, as a child of God, we should not be subjecting ourselves to that. Why? Because truth is truth. Truth is truth. Somebody understands me. When the word of God comes forward, when the word of God comes to you, you've got one of two options. Receive it with meekness and apply it. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. And then ask the question, what must I do? Or number two, reject it. And go about your way. But James said if you're going to be saved. You've got to receive it. With meekness. This was the problem. With the rich young ruler. He asked the question in verse 16. Master what good thing. Must I do to have eternal life. He assumed that it was his good deeds. That got him into heaven. But the truth was that it was a relationship with the truth. Can I ask you today, what's your relationship with the truth? And you can look at that however you want. The truth as in the word of God. The truth as in what is true about you. Or the truth as in God himself. What's your relationship look like with the truth? That's what makes, makes the difference. This is the question that everybody is asking in this world. But they don't know that they're asking it. They don't know what they're really looking for. So they go to the bar and they drown it out. But what they're looking for is for something more. They're looking for something greater. He came to him and said, what must I do? What good thing? And so you'll have people that will give millions to charity. Give millions away and, 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 and do all of these wonderful deeds. But they're on a bar stool. Drunk out of their minds. Or they're high on drugs. Some of the most rich people. I say rich. Are some of the most depressed people that you'll find. Because they reach the top. They made it to the 1% and they found that there's nothing more. This is it. But the truth, <laughs> the truth is that there's so much more. There's so much more. So we ask the question, what must I do? What good thing must I do? He's trying to fill the void. He's trying to put things in there. He didn't know what he was in for, however, when he asked Jesus this question. Because repentance is not a popular topic. Repentance is not a popular, it's not a popular word. And this is essentially what Jesus told him to do. Told him, turn around and change. Go sell all that you have. And then come back to me and follow me. It's not a word that humanity likes. Because it tells people no. Humanity doesn't like no. I'll tell you who does like no. Two year olds. <laughs> but why? Because it's will. It's their own will. I'm not picking on two-year-olds. I'm just talking about humanity here. But if you spend any time with a two-year-old, their favorite word is no. Why? Because they don't want to listen. They want to do what they want to do. And this is the problem is that humanity doesn't like to hear the word no. 
Because it goes against what they want to do. It goes against their reality. God told Eve no to the fruit of one tree, but she couldn't resist it. The thing with repentance is that it also tells you to change and to let go. But humanity doesn't like to let go of things that make it comfortable. This is why alarm clocks exist. Because the alarm clock tells you it's time to get up. But humanity doesn't like being told what to do. And so we'll put it on snooze. And snooze. Some of y'all snooze buttons are worn out. This young man's riches made him comfortable. It made him feel some type of way about himself. So when Jesus said to sell everything and give it to the poor and come follow me, he bucked up against it. Because it went against his philosophy. It went against what made him happy, what made him comfortable. Can I just tell somebody today that life is not all about being happy and comfortable. Sometimes life requires pain and re requires some uncomfortability in order for you to grow. You can't always be comfortable. If you want growth in your life, you've got to be uncomfortable sometimes. If you go to the gym, you've got to be uncomfortable and you've got to use resistance in order to grow. We understand that, so we'll go to the gym. Well, not me, but we'll go to the gym and we'll spend hours. Nah, new year, new me. I'm, I'm about to go. We'll go to the gym and we'll spend hours at the gym. We understand resistance. And we'll up the resistance and, the, and PRs become a thing all over the internet. People doing personal bests and records and I'm, resist, I'm, I'm using resistance to grow. But when it comes to the things of God and when it comes to the man, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. When it comes to the man of God knocking on your door and saying, hey, it's time to change a few things up. That resistance doesn't feel good. And so we say, nah, I'm good. The mirror has confronted you. You've looked at it in the mirror, and the mirror is telling you, hey, there's some things you need to change. But because it goes against your worldview, and it goes against what you want to do in this life, you reject it and you walk away from it. If you want to be anything in the kingdom of God, and if you want to make it to heaven, you've got to learn to embrace the mirror. You've got to learn how to embrace truth. You've got to learn how to embrace the word of God and the man of God. You can't make it into heaven without truth. You can't make it into heaven without the word of God and without the man of God. You feel that? That's resistance right there. Why? Because people don't like to be told what to do by a man. But baby, he's not just a man. When he gets up in this pulpit and he preaches under the anointing and the unction of the Holy Ghost, he's not speaking his own words. He's speaking what thus saith the Lord. So if you reject that, then you'll reject the word of God. And I don't want anybody to reject the word of God. Because to reject the word of God means to reject heaven. I can't make it into heaven if I don't have a relationship with truth. I can't make it into heaven if I don't have a relationship with the thing that confronts me. That's why David said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And we read that verse and we quote it. And we have it hung up in bathrooms all across America for whatever reason. I don't know why people choose bathrooms to put scriptures. Maybe it helps ease their minds. But we have it hung up in houses and homes everywhere in America. And yet, when the word of God comes to us, and the word of God confronts us. I'm preaching to myself this morning. When the word of God comes to us, we buck up against it. And we resist it. But David said, the thing that corrects me, 
is also the thing that comforts me. You've got to change how you look at it. You've got to change your relationship with the Word of God. You've got to change your relationship with the mirror. God, this doesn't hurt. This comforts me. Thank you for telling me that I'm wrong. Thank you for telling me that I've got some things I need to change. Thank you for telling me that I was on my way to hell. See, we preach that. And we talk about it. I was on my way to hell, but God stepped in. Sometimes when God steps in, it's him telling you, hey, you're a sinner. Hey, get rid of this. You can't make it to heaven without obedience to the word of God. Can we lift our hands in this house? Come on, somebody lift your hands. Come on, prayer warriors, saints, can you lift your voice just for a minute? Just for a minute. Come on, somebody. There's some people resisting right now. Come on, there's some people resisting right now. Woo, Jesus. Woo, come on, that's it, that's it. Somebody, why don't you yield to the work of God? Come on, somebody, why don't you let truth confront you this morning? Come on, let truth confront you this morning. Jesus. Woo! Jesus, Jesus, listen. The rich young ruler, the Lord tells him, he says, hey, this is what you got to do. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are things that make just a good human being. In other words, these aren't difficult things. These are things we do on a regular basis. Hopefully, we don't go around killing people and sleeping around with other people's wives and lying and stealing and cheating. And he said, I've, I've done all these things. Kept all these from my youth up. He was what you would call a good person. But the Bible tells us that Jesus looked back at him and said, There's none good. He called him good master, and he was hoping that he would call him good servant. That's what he wanted to hear when he looked into the mirror. Ah, good master. And Jesus looked back at him and said, hold up. There's none good. He looked past the facade that this man was trying to portray. You're not good. You, just because you keep the basic commandments... What about pride? Yeah, you, you don't murder, you don't steal, you don't cheat, you don't do all this big stuff, all this crazy stuff. I feel you, but what about, what about hatred? What about envy? What about lust? It's not all about the big stuff. God's concerned with the heart. God's concerned with the deeper things. So today you may not be a murderer. 
you may not be running the streets, but if you'll be honest with yourself, when you look into the mirror, you're not perfect. And there are some things that God is requiring you to let go of today. Today. Can I tell you that today is the day of salvation? Could it be that this young man was inconvenienced by the season? Maybe he would have gotten rid of all of his riches, but business was good. Things were going great. My life is, my life is going pretty good, Jesus. So for me to get rid of all this stuff now, it's going to set me back a little bit. Jesus said, I, I, today, I don't care what you got going on. I don't care what you think you got going on or what you think is best. Today is the day. You need to let go of it, not in a couple weeks. Not in a couple days, because here's the thing. If you miss it today, you may never have the opportunity to do it again. We don't read about this rich young ruler anymore. But what could God have done with him? What could God have used him for in the kingdom? If he had said right then and there, okay, I get it. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And so as we stand in this house, the question is simply this. When you look into the mirror, when you look into the word of God, when you listen to the spirit, what is God telling you to lay down? Is it pride? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it strife? What is it that God's telling you to lay down today? I'm begging with somebody, please don't let your pride keep you from addressing the issue in the mirror. Please don't let your own self-desires and self-will keep you from becoming everything that God wants you to be. If you want to make it into heaven, young man, you've got to listen to what the mirror is saying. If you want to make it into heaven, young lady, you've got to let some things go. You've got to cut some people off. You've got to cut some relationships. You've got to, you've got to cut back on a few things. These altars are open. I wonder if we can make our way down to the front. This is where it starts right here. Your relationship with the truth and the altar the altar represents dying to self-will. The altar represents death to carnality and death to flesh. So if you can't embrace the altar, then you can't embrace truth. I wonder if somebody wouldn't mind making your way down to this front and saying, God, I don't want anything to come between me and making it into heaven. God, I don't want anything to come between me and being used by you. Come on, somebody, why don't you come down to this front? Come on, don't let pride keep you back. Come on, don't let your pride hold you back. Somebody that's it. This may not be for everybody else, but for those of us that are willing to make the change right now, for those of us that are willing to make the change right now, God's gonna do a work. God's gonna do a work in this house, but you gotta let Him. You gotta be willing to to admit that you're wrong. You gotta be willing to look.
Jesus, thank you, Jesus. In the book of Mark, we see a man by the name of Bartimaeus. I feel like God gave this to me while I was praying. It's just a couple people. You see a man and he's blind. His name is Bartimaeus. He's by the highway and he's begging. And the Bible says that Jesus is passing by. And as Jesus is passing by, this man hears that he's near. And so he begins to cry out, Jesus, now son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Be of good comfort. And then the Bible says that he arose casted away his garments and he went to Jesus see the thing about the garment is that it represented who he was it represented his identity it let everybody know around him that he was a blind man and if you're not careful you'll take comfort in the very thing that has wounded you You'll take comfort in the very thing that has stripped you of being whole. But the Bible says they looked at him and said, hey, be of good comfort. In other words, God's got something greater for you. But here's the thing. Bartimaeus Leave the old behind. You can't step into a new paradigm wearing the old clothes, the old things that brought you comfort, the old things that made you feel good. God said, I've got something better for you. I've got a comfort that you don't even know about. It's called the Holy Ghost. <laughs> It's called the Spirit of God. There's some people today. It's time for you to let go of that old comfort. It's time to let go of that old thing that identified who you were and that you began to embrace. God said, that's not who you are. That's not your name. That's not your identity. I've got something greater for you in this house, but I need you to let it go. I need you to leave the past in the past. And I need you to step into this new paradigm. On the day of Pentecost, they looked at the disciples and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were pricked in their hearts at the words of Peter. They recognized they needed change, but they didn't know what to do. The truth had confronted them. The mirror was placed right in front of them. You're a sinner. And you need saving. So they said, well, what must we do? And the word came forward. Repent. Turn away from that old life. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. Why in the name of Jesus? Because the Bible tells, that the, tells us that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other name that has power. Father, Son, Holy Ghost is not a name. Those are titles. They don't have any authority. But the name of Jesus, the one who died on Calvary's hill for my sins, the one whose blood ran down the cross for you and me, that's the name that has power in it. That's the name that has authority. So when I go down in the water and they call the name of Jesus over my life and it's for the remission of my sins, it's the only thing that can take away my sins. It's the only thing that can cleanse me. 
then he said after that receive the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues this is what you must do to be saved so if there's anybody in this house this is your first time hearing the gospel this is the gospel this is a Corinthians tells us that it's the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and Peter tells us how we apply the death burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to our lives and so if this is your first time I encourage you I invite you to come down to this front more than anything I want you to have a better relationship with the truth the truth is that there is hope in this house the truth is that you don't have to leave this place the same way that you came in. The truth is that you can be set free before you leave this house. And so we're going to have ministers down here ready to receive you. Today is the day of salvation. Now, now is the acceptable time. One more time before we leave, somebody lift your hands. God, we love you. We thank you. God, I pray that you would help us today not to just be hearers of your word, but God, doers also. God, help us to apply the word to our lives. I pray that it would take root in our spirits, Jesus. I pray that you would change us, oh God, forever, right here, right now, today. God, we're turning around from that old life. God, I'm turning around from that old mentality. God, and I'm leaving it in the past. Somebody clap your hands and thank God.